This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Wow, the army is here. How appropriate for this episode. This is episode 75, the 22nd part of the 100 Mile History. In this episode, I will tell about the premier 100-mile track races that were held at Fort Meade in Maryland. They were dominated by Ray Krolowitz, who won there six times. I'm Ray the K, also known as Ray Krolowitz. Or maybe I'm Ray Krolowitz, also known as Ray the K. And now a word from our sponsors. In the April 2021 issue of Ultra Running Magazine, it includes an interesting article about the grandson of Dr. Robert Lind, the Western States Endurance Run doctor for decades. Please help this podcast continue by subscribing or renewing to Ultra Running Magazine with a 25% discount. Go to ultrarunninghistory.com mag. That's M-A-G. ultrarunninghistory.com mag. We now return to your regular programming. Now to the story. A hundred miles, a hundred miles, a hundred miles, a hundred miles. You can hear the whistle blow a hundred miles. During the 1960s and 1970s, most of the 100-mile races were held on oval tracks. Additionally, 100 miles were achieved during 24-hour races, usually also held on tracks. Running for 100 miles on an oval track seemed like an extreme oddity back then, even as it does today. During that period, there were 19 known track 100-mile running races held worldwide that were not also 24-hour races. In addition, there were many other 100-mile racewalking competitions in both England and America where walkers sought to become a centurion by walking 100 miles in 24 hours or less. The first modern era track 100-miler running was held in Durban, South Africa in 1964. In America, the first track 100 was held in 1975 in New York. The Queensboro 100 won by Park Barner in 13 hours 40 minutes. Beginning in 1978, an important track 100-miler started to be held that became the premier track 100-miler. The race was held at a military base at Fort Meade, Maryland in America. It would be held there for 12 years. The 100-miler was dominated by Ray Krolowitz of South Carolina who won it six times. Sadly, this race has been mostly forgotten in the annals of ultra-running history. Mead became an active army installation in 1917, built for troops drafted into World War I. It was located between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C. It began as Camp Mead, while America hastily prepared to enter the First World War. Before the military came to town, there was barely a town to speak of outside of Annapolis and Baltimore. There were lots of peach farms and one-horse towns. Uh, the principal features were the, the railroads running through here that connected Annapolis to the main line north-south. And there were a couple of little towns. They would 
post offices and a, and a cluster of houses, so even calling them a town was, was probably too much. The camp was named after Major General George G. Meade for his victory at Gettysburg, which led towards the victory for the North in the Civil War. During World War I, about 500,000 soldiers were trained at Camp Meade. The men that were training at Camp Meade in the 79th Division struggled with a lack of equipment. Uh, they didn't have rifles. There weren't sufficient rifles to give to the troops, so initially they drilled with, with wooden staves, uh, pretending they were rifles. Uh, there were wooden mock-ups of machine guns and wooden mock-ups of artillery pieces. Um, so it wasn't until really 1918 that sufficient uh, weapons began to arrive at Camp Meade to support for realistic training. After the war, tanks were brought back from Europe and the camp was selected to be the home for the tank corp. During World War II, the post was designated as Fort Meade and a staggering 3.5 million men passed through there. In 1943, it also housed about 1,700 Italian and German war prisoners. After the war, the fort reverted to more routine Army peacetime activities. It housed the National Security Agency, NSA, and became the primary location for national intelligence. In the 1970s, a 24-hour relay craze took place at high schools, colleges, and running clubs. I'm in a relay race and it is my turn. Unintentional right turns. In 1970, the Washington and Baltimore Road Runners Club organized a 24-hour, 10-man relay race on the track at Mullins Field at Fort Meade. The event would eventually expand to 50-mile and 100-mile solo races competed by many of the best American ultra-runners of the time. The base opened their doors to runners and kindly made facilities available, including restrooms and showers. Nick Marshall said, this was an era when many military bases had very open policies. They had guardhouses at the gates, but security was often minimal. Showing ID was not required before getting on the Fort Meade base. We would just pause at the gate and mention that we were running the race, and they would wave us through. It was definitely very casual. For the 1973 Fort Meade 24-hour relay, the focus was on a women's cross-country team in the D.C. area that called themselves Crazy Legs. The race was held in the heat of the summer beginning at noon on August 4th, 1973 and included some military teams. Five, four, three, two, one. The event attracted 206 runners. It was reported. The object of the race was to see which teams of athletes could run the most miles during the 24-hour period. Each team member would run one mile before handing off the baton to the next team member and then retire to wait his turn to run again. The wait usually took an hour. Thus, the average runner would run 24 miles during the race. The Crazy Legs women team had only six members compared to the 10 members for most teams. The 95 degree heat along the way was brutal and about 50 runners dropped out of their relay along the way. The Crazy Legs team covered 176 miles. A men's team from the Bethesda track team went the furthest, 277 miles, thought to be the best in 1973. 
for the first time at Fort Meade in 1973, a special solo 50-mile race was also held at the event for ultra runners on that track with a 12-hour cutoff. There were eight starters, but the drop-off rate was very high. There was only one finisher, Ed Jerome, age 27 of Virginia, who covered 50 miles in an impressive 7 hours 41 minutes. He went on to finish 140 marathons before his sad death in 1983 when he was killed by a motorist when he was riding a bicycle after dark, training for an Ironman. A 50-mile race was again held in 1974. A race walker, Israeli Olympian and world record holder, Saul Landani finished just minutes before the running winner in just over eight hours. Landani had survived both the Holocaust and the 1972 Munich Olympic Massacre. He set the world walking record for 50 miles in 1972 with seven hours, 23 minutes, a record that still stands today. The Fort Meade highlight was still the 24-hour relay. Michael Hill, a newspaper reporter, participated and reported, Surrounded by a fort full of soldiers on a muggy Saturday afternoon, we started to run. I was doubly nervous as I waited for my turn to roll around, ninth on my team, while watching my teammates clicking off one five-minute mile after another. I ran my first one in 5.33. I was worse than anyone else for sure, but still within the spectrum, and much better than I had expected to do. His teammates worried that his times would creep toward six minutes, but instead he improved to a 5.26 leg. As the hours ticked by, the mile time slowly went up. Occasionally, rigor mortis would hit one of us. The legs just wouldn't work anymore, and the time would skyrocket for 20 or 30 seconds. The cooling night air affected the team, and their hot muscles cooled off too quickly. Finally, around dawn, I knew I had to get some sleep. Everyone was running more slowly, so there was a longer time between miles. I sacked out on one of our cots. I was awakened just before time for my next run. At the end, every mile was an agony to be endured silently. The winning team achieved 280 miles, a new Maryland state record. In 1974, the world 24-hour relay record was raised to 297 miles by an Edinburgh athletic club in Scotland. Soon, so many annual 24-hour events were being conducted that yearly world rankings were even kept and published by Runner's World magazine. In 1975, a 50-mile event was again held. Nick Marshall of Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, competed in the 50-mile event that year and recalled, The ultra-marathon participants were outnumbered by 30-plus relay teams. It was sort of daunting to have all sorts of fast milers whipping by us like most of them were Yanis Chorus. Even if you were leading the 50 miler at a strong pace, there were still a bunch of other guys around you running much faster than you. Tom Osler won the 50 miler followed by Marshall. The 1977 50 miler was a rematch between Marshall and Osler. They waged a seesaw battle in the early stages when Marshall reached the marathon in 2 hours 54 minutes and extended to a two-lap lead, but blisters took its toll and he dropped out at 38 miles. I hate blisters. Blisters hurt so much. If you scratch them, blood's gonna go everywhere. Newcomer Jim Chachor of New York stormed past Osler for the win in 5 hours 44 minutes. Osler finished 7 minutes later. 
A walking relay team participated that year. Weaving through the masses of runners were the herky-jerky movements of the Potomac Valley walkers, who were headed to a national race walking mark. Their total of 168 miles bettered the old standard of 155 miles. In 1978, the 50-miler expanded to 22 runners, but the historic newcomer for that year was the 100-miler. The event was officially called the DC Roadrunners 100-miler, but was nicknamed the Fort Meade 100. Even though it was a flat track, it was one of the most difficult of its time because it was held in the heat of August and had a noon start. Track 100-milers were rare and odd to those who watched. One observer described the setting. The proverbial sea of tents that offer temporary relief for the physically and mentally weary athletes surrounds the track and adds a colorful dimension to the otherwise dreary oval. Support crews, also known as lap counters, shoe changers, muscle massagers, and motivationalists, line the track with clipboards in hand, pencils poised, and watches ticking away the endless seconds, just living for the moment when their man barks, water next lap. Tom Osler won the inaugural 100-mile event with 16 hours 11 minutes for the second 100-mile finish of his famed ultra-running career. John Cannell of Brooklyn, New York came in second with 19 hours 20 minutes. Johnny Cannell needs to be mentioned in this 100-mile history. He became one of the most prolific early 100-mile runners and the most consistent in the sport. Kennel was born in Genoa, Italy, immigrated as a child to America, and lived in Brooklyn, New York. He ran cross-country and track in high school at Power Memorial Academy. He went on to work at a post office on Manhattan. Kennel became a very early ultra-runner in the New York City area, who ran his first ultra in 1969, the 37-mile Peepskill Yonkers race put on by Ted Corbett's New York Roadrunners Club. He was a mid-pack runner, never placed high in serious competitive fields, but he loved running and running ultras often. He would train about six to seven miles per day with a 20-mile run once a week. Kennel ran in the Fort Meade 50 in 1974 and told a tragic tale. The race started at 6 p.m. My lap counter fell asleep deep into the night while I was running. I ran for hours and not a lap was recorded. I never knew how far I ran and thus did not finish. Kennel attempted his first 100 miler in 1975 at the Queensboro 100. He put in a remarkable effort but dropped out after 84 miles and admitted that he wasn't yet prepared to go that distance. The 1978 Fort Meade 100 was Kennel's first of more than 50 career 100 mile finishes. With his solid sub-24 hour finish at Fort Meade, he became hooked on running 100 miles and more. By 1984, he claimed that he had finished 100 ultramarathons and by 1990 reached 200 with only 4 DNFs. If there was an ultra held in the East during those years, Kennel was likely there and finished. Ray Krolowitz of South Carolina remembered Kennel. Johnny was a good friend of mine. He didn't drive. He had a heavy accent. Very compact, strong runner, and it, there were a couple of years I picked him up in New York City to carry him to, you know, the races. He was a beast. He was strong. He was powerful. A man of impeccable integrity. 
he were running on the sidewalk, and he thought the thing had been measured on the road, he'd step in the curb to go around a corner, so he didn't cut. Into his 60s, Kennel had some medical issues, still wanted to run knowing the risks. Sadly, Johnny Kennel, age 61, died of a heart attack while running the 2005 Nassau Suffolk Greenbelt 50K. He was rushed to the hospital, but it was too late. The next year at the race, a memorial marker was placed where he had died. It was said about him on that occasion. He was usually at the back of the pack and would even finish last on a number of occasions. But he was a champion among us. He never wanted much, just his bib number and an opportunity. All he ever needed was his heart, a heart that propelled him to complete 100 marathons and 350 ultra marathons, a heart that stopped at this very spot on that fateful May 14th day. At the 1979 Fort Meet 100, Don Marvel, a high school teacher from Easton, Maryland, was the favorite with nine starters. He stayed close to Peter Monahan of Bethesda, Maryland for 70 miles until Marvel had to drop out. Monahan continued on to win in 15 hours, 42 minutes. Ultra-running newcomer Ray Krolowitz of South Carolina came in third with 17 hours, 16 minutes. Ray Krolowitz of South Carolina would become the most dominant runner ever at Fort Meade 100 with six wins. He started running in junior high when he went out for cross country. On the first day of practice, he ran through the town, stopped at a store to buy gum, and gave it to all the teammates who blew bubbles. The coach wasn't too happy and kicked him off the team. In high school, he was on the track team and ran about five-minute miles. Krolowitz went off to college and graduated from the University of Florida and the University of South Carolina. He began a lifetime high school teaching career and also coached soccer, basketball, and track. I did a 30-mile hike run in 1971. was my first long-distance run. I ran a handful of marathons and other races through the 70s, and then I actually started training in 1978. Okay, let's go see how fast I can cover these different distances. And the ultras were almost an accident. In 1979, he went to run the Boston Marathon. At the start, he had a chance meeting with 70-year-old San Francisco running legend Walt Stack, who had recently finished Western States in 1978 in 38 hours, 57 minutes. I run 17 miles every morning. Krolowitz heard the word ultra-marathon for the first time from Stack, who invited him to try running one at Lake Waramog in Connecticut. Krolowitz hitchhiked to the race and did well, and later in 1979 began his long association with Fort Meade. He returned again in 1980. By 1980, the Fort Meade 100 miler was finally getting attention in the news with nine starters. From noon Saturday and all through the night until noon yesterday, 225 runners and walkers were on the track in a mixture of individual distance races at the 10th annual meet for distance runners. Dick Good and Bob Rothenberg put on the race. For the first time that year, a computer was used by Rothenberg to calculate the finishing positions and awards. Rothenberg complained that the news usually covered the event as a, quote, freak show instead of as a sporting event. He described it as a distance running carnival. 
It certainly did look like a carnival, with about two dozen tents pitched alongside the track for runners and their crews. At planned intervals, runners of the 100-miler would flop onto their backs in their pit areas, gratefully sponging and squeezing cool water over their bodies, receiving a glucose fix of snacks, like Twinkies or soft drinks, and then picking up where they left off. Krolowitz ran the 100-miler again, crewed by Don Marshall, who had injured his back recently at an earlier 100-miler. As in past years, the heat really was the main factor over the race. Dr. John Newdorp from Virginia, with good experience treating heat stroke at ultras, looked after the 100-mile runners. He said, They begin to develop symptoms. They feel nauseated, get headaches, begin suddenly to feel tired. Some of them will begin to weave around. Ed Foley of Virginia led for the first 32 miles, and then Krolowitz took over the lead. One year, Foley tried to run each mile no faster than 6 miles an hour, 10-minute miles. If he finished his mile a little faster, he would sit and wait, just like a precursor to the backyard ultra format decades later. Krolowitz continued in the 90-degree heat. They had a horse trough full of water, and Krolowitz jumped in it several times to cool down. He was used to running in hot and humid conditions and would always be dumping water on his head. I know somebody came early afternoon one day when he was screaming at the race directors and yelling at the runners, stop, stop. Stop! Stop! Stop this race! Two runners had died in a 10-mile lane in Herndon, Virginia, which is right in the same neighborhood, in a road race that morning. He's like, you're going to kill yourself. I mean, it was 100 degrees there some days. You know, it it was a hot race. Krolowitz's cool-down strategies worked, and he went on to win in 15 hours, 35 minutes, sprinting the last lap in an amazing 61.4 seconds. You are crushing it. Last lap fastest. Six runners did not finish. For Krolowitz, that was the first of six wins at Fort Meade 100. He was dominant on the hot and humid track. In 1983, the accomplishment that received the most attention was a two-man, 24-hour ultra relay accomplished by elite ultra runners Dan Brannan and Neil Weygant. Their adventure will be told in the next episode, episode 76. In the early 80s, many ultras were conducted on the honor system. At Fort Meade, for several years, crews kept their own lap counter sheets. Peter Monahan, a DC attorney, The 1979 Fort Meade 100 winner was back again one year. He had been suspected of cheating his races during his Old Dominion 100 and Fort Meade 100 victories in 1979. At Fort Meade, Krolowitz brought his brother to the race who kept a lap sheet on Monaghan. Sure enough, the lap counts kept by Monaghan's crew were exaggerated. This was reported to race director Dick Good who then started keeping track of Monaghan's laps from his race director tower. He also discovered discrepancies, confronted Monaghan, who then got angry and left. He soon gave up the sport. Krolowitz remembered some excitement during the races in the late 1980s. In 86, my son John was 10. We had like an hour and a half delay because of lightning, and John was over by one of those green electrical boxes, and it hit that box and tumbled him over. So we all went. I, of course, took an hour nap, because if we're going to be off the track, I'm going to nap. Race director Dick Good reported, 
The rains came, torrential rains that flooded the track, the lap counters and everything else, including the clock. The storm let up and participants could return running, but it soon returned, this time accompanied by lots of lightning. This caused the clock to stop working, and the race was put on hold for 1 hour and 32 minutes. Krolowitz finished in 19 hours, 51 minutes, not including the delay. 87, I think, was my wife's birthday number. It was 17 hours, 57 minutes, 7 seconds. And I always used to play with numbers, and her birthday was July 17, 1957. Back in 1984, he finished with a time of 23 hours, 23 minutes, and 23 seconds on purpose. For one of those years, he ran nonstop for 88 miles, the most continuous miles ever during his career. Was I ran 88 miles there nonstop. Just happened to be in equilibrium, you know, great. Didn't have to pee, didn't have to stop for anything. Then the 88 miles, one of the relay teams had brought in a bunch of food, and they had fried chicken, and I was like, man, that smells good. So I went and sat in a lawn chair, and I ate a piece of fried chicken and a jelly donut, and I jumped up and did my last 12 miles. In 1988, several veteran runners, including Krolowitz and Trishel Churns, quit the race early because of another terrible thunderstorm. It was one of Krolowitz's few DNFs up to that point. 1989 was the last year that the 100-miler was held at Fort Meade, again won by Krolowitz. The race was then not held for the next couple years. But in 1991, the event re-emerged. The D.C. Roadrunners Club turned over the event to the Howard County Striders, and it was moved from Fort Meade to the Howard County High School in Columbia, Maryland. The Howard County Striders are one of the most dynamic groups around. We are comprised of young and old, men and women, and a variety of fitness levels. The race was still held in the heat of August and took its toll on the 100-mile runners. This is crazy hot! It continued to be held until 1995 under the direction of Tim Beattie. The announcement that the race would no longer be held was emotional for Beattie. I want to emphasize that this has been an entirely positive experience for me, all 18 years, but especially the last six. The acquaintances and friendships that have been developed over this time with scores of people I would never have gotten to meet through any other form is lasting. Stay tuned for the next episode for the story of the historic two-man relay held at Fort Meade. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, And most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.